Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. The Streets of San Francisco. Starring Carl Malden. I'm doing the visual impression of Carl Malden then. You got a massive nose. You look like a buffalo tomato. And Michael Douglas. He had a very sharp beaky nose and is a sex addict for a long time. Anyway, I'm Sean Keevan. This is the Creative Cul de Sac latest edition. I say the latest edition, it of course depends on when, what order, sequence you're listening in. Um, just FYI, I, I do, as I say, I've said in many other instances, um, we're stacking these up in 2021, so they're recorded at all sort of different times of the year. I rarely mention exactly when because I don't want to t- date it, you know. But this is nearish to Christmas. Oh, uh, simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Great. Um. Oh, hello. Keep it down. I'm trying to record a fucking podcast here, Rex. Jesus. I bet Joe Rogan don't get this in his 75-room mansion, does he? Anyway, we won't go on about Christmas because that would date it. And I, I don't know about you, but I love Christmas so much that I find things that remind me of Christmas immediately after Christmas sad. Um, for instance... Um, you know, like sell-by dates and things like that. Um, if I if I go back to a, a pot of double cream in the fridge that I've forgot to toss out, and it says uh, best before the twenty fourth of December, and it's the, it's like the thirtieth, it makes me feel dread dreadfully sad. Anyway, uh, let's not let that detain us here. Here I am again, surrounded by my detritus in our top room, with no notion whatsoever if this podcast uh, into which I've put so many hours is going to even light up the the world of one person Um, so it's a colossal leap of faith who knows it might be something that it might be a repository of comfort for loved ones after I'm dead hopefully in about 50 years but we'll see about that what I've got today for you I've got actually I've I've unearthed some lyrics inexplicably that's always fun isn't it Uh, Unless you literally, unless you're Bob Dylan or Paul Simon or Gil Scott Heron, nearly everybody else is shite at writing lyrics, and I'm no different. So that'll be fun. Something out of the book of Genesis, if you've heard me mention that before when I started my afternoon show um, on Six Music. <laughs> uh, no, come on, keep it together. It's important. 
um, I started a book of Genesis, writing in all the ideas that the listeners and myself and my producer and, and everybody else might come up with to start the show with. There's a couple of interesting bits in there. A bit of stand-up, like really, really early stand-up from when I first started. Uh, remember, the career only lasted seven years before you're finishing my sentences for me. That's how well we know, know each other uh, before I uh, I quit due to public demand. Uh, another little bit of filth, uh, Sean Keaveney, um, uh explains sexual innuendo in blues music. And that's about it. Um, been a bit up and down like a bride's nighty in the last couple of weeks as far as my mood is concerned. Um, feeling the pain of not being on air um, on a daily basis and uh, having a constituency uh, to drone at. So I'm really hoping that by the time this hits ears that I'll be much more buoyant and uh, reconnected with you, my audience. So let's have a little look at these, right? I've got a couple of interesting pieces of A4 here. No idea when from. I've got a feeling that I did these not all that long ago, maybe five or six w w years ago. Like, um, me and Joe Haddo used to work on, on the, the radio show, and um, another guy, we had this idea of me writing an album of topical songs, because we had the Christmas song, we got the cheddar cheese song, not particularly topical, except play it when you feel like cheese. And our idea was that we'd, we'd write a song for every part of the year. Halloween. Spring. You see, I'm running out of ideas already. I've got a feeling that I wrote these lyrics around that time when I was trying to coalesce some kind of idea about, like, weaponizing my novelty song talent. Which, it has to be said, is quite powerful. Um, just wait till you hear Dry Gin for Jen. Uh, the Dry Gen song. It's just something special. But I've written... I think this song is a song... Uh, lyric entitled Delivery Window okay so here we go I don't know what the, t the tune is don't remember it maybe we never even wrote one your package is on its way track it press this button I booked a half day off work for this next door neighbour's name is Dutton can you please rate our service not to five stars out of five I'll give you ten on ten for neediness as I keep my eye out for the drive your parcel's on its way. Check its progress, just click here. It has now left the depot. The diagram's quite clear. You can keep a tab on anything now, from a book to an ex-boyfriend. All the while, we wonder where on earth will all this end. Brackets. Is it here yet? No. Can I have a beer yet? Not yet. Pooh, make of that what you will. Rubbish. Bloody rubbish. And I said I've got two bits of lyric I have, right? Get a load of this. This feels more like uh, a poem, really, than a lyric. But it's I can tell by the way I've written it that I think this is going to be a song. And uh, what I will say right from the get-go here, listeners, is that I do enter these troughs of pain and uh, disassociation and depression from time to time. And this was obviously written... In, in response to one of these troughs. So get this. Feeling a bit miserable, turn off now. I feel spent, I feel empty, like a husk, like a shell. Not a good start. Not up in heaven, not even in hell. 
a flickering ember, a dim pilot light, where once inspiration burned ready and bright. Every idea is a turd in my drink, my brain like some dog meat unable to think. Where are you, my muse, I so need you tonight? I've cast out my worm in need of a bite. Stare at the blank page, seems like a long age. Tear out what's inside you so others can know too. Awful. That's like the sort of chorus, I think. Rubbish. I sit with myself and I wonder what's there. Under the teeth and the skin and the hair. Trillions of synapses snap into gear, only to find that nobody is here. I'm conscious of something, but it's not delight. Or fear, or mad longing, or wisdom, or fight. It's the knowledge that maybe I'm not good enough. My inner voice shouting just like Brian Clough. Rubbish! Bloody rubbish! In fact, I've got... Can I, can I do this? Can I do this at the same time? Because what I've got here is the fantastic uh, cart wall. <laughs> Shit, it works. Oh, this is this is completely changing everything. Oh, fuck. Hang on, that's something else. Never. Believe me, I've tried so hard to turn that off, but I've got no idea how to do it. There you go. Oh, that's exciting. I hope those turn up on the recording. If not, they'll just be big gaps. So anyway, um, you're useless, you're lazy, you can't do it all, do it at all, everyone else will surely go to the ball, you're silly, you're pointless, you don't belong here, try something easier for your career. <laughs> Where the hell did that come from? Isn't it funny, you all like this, you've got like reams and reams of shite you don't remember writing. It's madness, truly madness. And we go now to, uh, we go now to the um, the book of Genesis, right? Me desperately trying to write down ideas again, just anything that's going to get me out of my torpor. And this written here, Space, the Final Frontier, where we do a show or a podcast about space. What? It's like a mindfulness app, but with me in it. That sounds disastrous. TV or podcast idea, and I've written instead of podcast a P and a line and a T because I think at this time I was really against podcasts. Thought every fucker's got a podcast, and now look at me, I've got two at least, maybe three. And I go on here. People in general are a fucking let down by these supposed to be in charge. <laughs> B worried about the planet. C looking to do something, however small, to help. So would a program about little acts of redevelopment and ecological repair do well? No, they wouldn't, Sean. It sounds fucking boring. Sort of thing that Matt Baker might do a good job of, though. Ha! Matt Baker! He's such a lovely fellow, though. I've got a feeling about him. I used to say as a joke that I imagine that he had bodies buried on his estate, but I really genuinely retract that. I don't believe that. Remember he said that funny thing about to David Cameron, didn't he, on the one show, and he's been my hero ever since. On it goes. Don't laugh. Me and another person do dry stone walling or tree planting or guerrilla gardening. Fucking rubbish idea, this. I tell you what would be good, though. Guerrilla gardening. Gardening with gorillas, right? Not guerrilla gardening, which, of course, people, especially in non-rural areas, know is like going out at night and planting a few bulbs on a roundabout or something. I'm talking about getting actual silverback gorillas... And do and being on an allotment with them, that I would watch. 
Anyway, I go on. Terrible ideas. Or is there an idea where I ask people, I ask to be invited on walks or bike rides and chat to the people that invite me along? No, because Claire Balding's already doing that on Radio 4, Sean, you silly bastard. So, no, really, not good ideas at all there. What? Uh, the exploration of Dirty Blues lyrics continues. I thought we could do a Led Zeppelin special, actually. Unique and a woman I am fooling. I'm gonna send you back to school and way down inside. Woman, you need it. I'm gonna give you my love. I'm gonna give you my love. Oh, I want a whole lot of love. You know it. Do you know what it really means, though? Well, you've been cooling. You need a window open. I'm not messing about. I'm going to teach you about the sex. Way down inside, you need some sex. I'm gonna give you my penis. Gonna give you my penis. Oh, I'm gonna put my penis in you. 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 So that's that. I don't know if that you'd ever really realise that that was what the song was about before. It's 52 years old now, and uh, two songs on from that on the same album is the the. Uh, Lemon song. Squeeze me, baby, till the juice runs down my leg. Oh, squeeze my lemon till the juice runs down my leg. The way you squeeze my lemon out I'm gonna fall right out of bed Well it's Squeeze my penis Till the juice Till the sperm runs down my leg That's it The way you squeeze my penis out I'm gonna fall right out of bed So um, again, the scales fall from the eyes. Um, why um, Robert Plant or the blues man he ripped it off at the time collapsed out of bed on ejaculation is unclear. Maybe it's a small, maybe it's a single bed in which they are making love. You just don't know. That bit's not detailed in the lyric. Because, you know, they've only got four lines at a time. So that's good, isn't it? I think we've covered quite a lot today. Um, I think that... Is that enough? Uh, I'll tell you what's a really great revelation. We can uh, we can actually utilise the, um, the cart wall uh, whilst we're actually recording these podcasts, which I think is revelatory and exciting. 
So I'll leave it at that for now. That's a good 16 or so minutes. Uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of today's creative cul-de-sac. Uh, it's time for us to introduce our next guest. Well, you tell me when we're ready and I'm just going to fucking launch at him. Me? Yeah. Uh, ready. Okay. <clears throat> I've got an intro. You remember I used to do intros on radio? Oh, you're the Done radio guy. I'm the radio guy. Remember that? You must remember that. <laughs> Listen, I've seen... I, I, I need your name Ryan Bell. <laughs> so it's Sean, oh, Sean Keaveney. That's it, yeah. I remember you. <laughs> right, <clears throat> here we go, here we go. Our next guest isn't a guest. Oh. He's a friend. Okay. A bit much? Yeah, no, that's... Back it up a bit. Yeah. Sort of like a showbiz acquaintance, but edging towards friendship. He, he wouldn't make me his BAFTA plus one, but he might retweet something for me if I DM'd him. He won an Edinburgh Comedy Award in 2009. He's been nominated for a Perrier. He's written a series of superb books, short stories, poetries. He's a brilliant stand-up comedian, an actor of fine repute. He likes a pint. It's the quasi-legendary Tim Key. Now, oh, quasi, what is that? Well, not, not quite. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's one way of looking at it, isn't it? I'm gonna take my bins off as well because I wanna be in the room with you. It's nice to be actually in a room with somebody. Yeah, particularly a room like this with all those hard drives. I know. It's such a, it's a wonderful backdrop, This is a serious it? room. Oh, shit happens in this room, my friend. Let me tell you, there's a lot of posters as well. Of yeah, they're all of Joanna Lumley. I don't think I've ever been in a room with more than 40 hard drives and more than three Lumleys. <laughs> it's, you're, doing, you're doing very well for, for drives and Lumleys. <laughs> It is. We, are, we You can't shake a stick without hitting a Lumley in here. <laughs> you search Tim Key on Google, oh, right? Yeah. If you just put, I, I always find this an interesting insight into what people search for when they put a name in, and uh, the the questions that come up. Let's answer them. Oh yeah, okay. It's this is genuinely the first thing that comes up. What is Tim Key? That's like a. That feels like a philosophical question, doesn't Key? it? Yeah, that's that shouldn't be something other people are worrying about. That should be something I'm stuck mm. with. What is Tim Key? Well, I see. What do you think that that is in reference to the fact that you're amorphous talent-wise? You, you is he an actor? Is he a poet? Oh, is he right. a comedian? Oh, is he right. a sex symbol? Oh, oh, okay. Is he all of these things? Do all you think that's your... what it's grappling uh, okay. towards? Okay, yeah. So the community are struggling to pin me down. Do you want to pigeonhole you? And you won't be pigeonholed? No, I will not. I'm uh, fluttering out of one and into another constantly. Mm, mm. I like that. You missed out um, message. Voice, voiceover artist. I do well, Burger King. <laughs> <laughs> Can you give us a bit of Burger King? Do you remember what the strap line is? It's something like, come on, you know you want it, or something like mm. that. Or get it down, yeah. I got it down, <laughs> they, yeah. They give me a script when I go through to the booth. The last time they gave me a script, it was in print. It was in forty-eight point um, font, and it was two words. I can't remember what it was, but it's when I go on, or they give me the script. Have it. That's it. I think it's have it. Yeah, yeah. Have it. <laughs> something about your, your delivery that lends itself to that kind of. Here's a question for you from a, a voiceover perspective. I, obviously, I'm. St- steeped in it myself and a veteran of some 20 years oh are you oh but if you I had mean, to if you had to pick out one highlight um okay uh, what, T-Mobile 
See, you, you see, you got the you got that's, the actual shivers there. He's like, you fucking, it's you who did that in 2005, 2009. Yes, it was me. That's fantastic. Or two. You, you yeah, thought that you, was Sean Bean. It's not. Is it you? No, it's not. It's Sean Bean. Oh, is it? <laughs> it's just I did do a bit of O2 before Sean Bean took it out, took, took the bread out of my fucking children's mouths. Not that I'm bothered. Not that I'm bitter. Yeah. But don't you find when you're in a in, in a situation like that, it's quite high pressure. That the fewer words there are on the script, the higher, the more difficult, ironically, it is to get them. Oh, I see. Yeah, there is an element of that. Yeah. Because then you've got, and then you, you tend to have like nine people in the booth. So anyway, we've got Lorraine, who's yeah. the brand manager. And then we've got Jeff, uh, who's yeah. the studio manager. And then we've got the, uh, the person from Sarchi's. This, and is, this is before we even discussed the creatives. And then, yeah, there's like four creatives that are sitting there. And they've all, what, they, what they've done is they've written, go on, yeah. on a piece of paper often, haven't they? Yeah. That one they, time that someone said through the, through the, you know, they pressed their button and said to me, can you sound a bit more humiliated? And I was like, I don't think so. Have you met me? This is a real low point. <laughs> Can you sound a bit more humiliated? What are you, you know, say something like you, you cancelled my contract or something and then I'll see if I can go any further lower than I am. It's, I mean, the whole Stephen Toast, uh, you know, sort of oh, yeah. Matt Berry thing was that it doesn't get any more perfect than that really, does it? So anyway, we've done that. We don't know what he is. No. Um, does Tim Key speak Russian? No, um, Where does Tim Key live? Live in Kentish Town. There you go. So, just out of interest, uh, if you type in Sean Keevney, it asks what band was Sean Keevney in? Um, influential post-punk band Mosque. Mm. Is Mosque. 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 M-O-S-Q-U-E, like the Temple of Worship. Oh, fantastic. It's, it's confusing... Uh, we don't. We still don't know why we named ourselves that. It was 1987. Mm-hmm. Is Sean Keevney still married? That's a sex symbol question, right there, isn't it? Because that's, that's a very lot of interesting. Horny people, yeah, who see me or hear me and think I would love a go on that. Well, I thought that when I thought my where do you where does Tim Key live was a bit of a sex symbol question. Yeah, because yeah, they, they've got a one man tent. They're going to stick it in your front garden <laughs> till you come out. Yeah. And what is Sean Keevney doing <clears throat> now? Fuck knows is the answer to that. But I tell you what I am doing. Sean Keevney's creative cul-de-sac with Tim Key. So, I mean, I'll tell you what it's about, Tim. Yeah. It's essentially, it, it's like an expo of failed or dormant ideas. Well, you've come to the right place. Knew well, it. Yeah. We're not, we're not going to, we're not going to ask Tom, Tom Basden onto this podcast because I think we've already established that w- whatever Tom writes down on a piece of paper, he makes happen somehow. It's beautiful. Just add water. <laughs> it's fantastic that yeah well I mean <clears throat> he's just when you're be, from the outside looking in mm. oh yeah are you going to explain well, a he's, bit he, of background he, on Basden one of your um, comic cohorts from many years ago and you've uh, you, you've collaborated with him many times in, in various different guises mm. and amongst many other things you might have seen him as an actor on Afterlife mm-hmm. with uh, Ricky Gervais yeah who's another one who completes he's a completer yes you get him there are, there are people around who can complete well, you write down complete what I for am. future podcasts? <laughs> well, because you're right, there are. Two, I mean, essentially, when it comes to the creative process, we're already learning this by talking to different people about it. You're right. There are there are starters and there are completers, aren't there? Very often, never the twain shall meet. Yeah. Are you like me then, more of a starter? <sighs> well, I mean, I don't know exactly how it works. I mean, I take these sorts of podcasts very seriously. So I spent yesterday afternoon, you know shuffling around the flat and um, seeing which kind of put, which kind of category I fit into. 
I'm really excited. I really, honestly, some people, we did, we, when we had Jim Moyer on, he was, he totally understood the concept in the sense that he was, he was actually thanking us for making him go through his notebooks because it's funny what you find. I know. And actually, you can't, I mean, I could have spent days going through all this crap, <laughs> but I think there comes a point where your main focus of your week can't be going on a podcast. <laughs> Again, I put as much work into it as I could. We're not, you know, we're not at full humiliation yet. We're, all, we're only at twenty eight percent humiliation yeah. at this point. But uh, would, would you say that? Forgive me for reaching. I will forgive anything for you. I get the impression that you. you I, I think we're kindred in some ways. Like I, I get the feeling that, you know, you. I, we both adore minutiae for a start. Definitely, yeah. And and it, it feels like. For me, at least, I'm. And I've mentioned this before. I'm definitely. I definitely have ADD traits. So I, and that's why I was. I'm kind of good on the radio because I can take a little, a little minutia, a little gem of an idea, mm. and flesh it out with the listeners for an hour or so, and then leave it behind and move to something else. Yep. So that's that's like a sort of starter, non-completer kind of approach to creativity. Well, I think I've got a similar. Um, yeah, the the bedrock of my stuff is things where you're allowed to be quite a fragmentary. I yeah. Think. And that's why my, so my live shows are all kind of this kind of disparate mess of poems and some talking. And then I used to read out recipes and things like that. And then little short films. And then it, it all sort of comes together. There's some alchemy and it sort of happens and it works. And you would definitely watch, same with your radio show. You, you wouldn't think, well, your radio show doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You'd think it's all from the same minds but um just there's no kind of big thrusting narrative through it but it does still feel like it's a completed thing because you are the theme Mm -hmm. you you tim key is the thematic the 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 thread that holds it all together isn't it yeah see what is tim key you're a thematic thread well i've never really yeah i guess i am yeah i'm a thematic thread um so (laughs) so what what that means is I can just, you know, go to the pub for last orders with a notepad, write down a couple of poems and go home and those poems will maybe find a home in a in a show or in a book or something like that. There's a great freedom to that. And look at what I've written here. Yeah. What is it? Oh, I can't write. Do you want me to read it? You Shall read, you read, read it what you read what I've just <clears throat> underlined out from my notes. <clears throat> Pubs, do you get inspiration there? Do you sometimes sit in them with a pint and a pad? Pretending to write. <laughs> yeah. So I think we've hit the nail on the head with that one. Pubs are a great... I mean, actually, you've got a, a wonderful little podcast about pubs as well, haven't you? Um, Speaking of things like that. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, a guy who... Um, I didn't write it. He wrote it. And it's, um, yeah, lots of descriptions of pubs. Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, I enjoy that podcast. That's quite fun. But yeah, I, lo- I love going to the pub and writing. And I feel like that is the... There's a lot of pain in writing, isn't there? Mm. Do you mean... Um, in, uh, like the, just the physical getting it out pain and but also or do you mean the emotional no I mean getting up I'm quite disciplined getting up quite early and then somehow it's 11 and then it's 1 and you're like <laughs> oh okay well that didn't that hasn't worked yet and then the, the real crushing feeling of it's 5 yeah and and then think so I will I will like throw a whole day at the problem. I think there's really efficient writers, even amongst the people I know, 
who will just think, well, I'll write for three hours, yeah. and then in the afternoon I'll go to the cinema. Yeah. Whereas my approach is much more, if I dedicate the whole day to this, I must end up doing three hours somehow. Yeah. And it's really stupid, you know, definition of madness stuff, repeating the same thing. It doesn't work. It's a really bad process. And a much during lockdown, I got quite good at getting up at really early, six in the morning, and getting two or three hours done before 11. Okay. And then it did fall off a cliff after that, but then I'd also write at seven with a pint of beer yeah. as a sort of, um, you know, coping mechanism with lockdown. <laughs> to have a treat. <laughs> I'd, write, I'd write poetry in the evenings. Oh, God. But, it, but it's, it is, I think it falls between the two stools though, really, because you've got the, you've got, I do seem to see a lot of information from novelists particularly who say, the best time to work is in the morning before the world's woken up. So I set my alarm for five. I go down to the shed at the bottom yeah, of the garden is, and fantastic. I write 3,000 words before midday. It's brilliant. Then that's I pick up my children yeah. from school and give them some lunch. And yeah. then, you know, That's a fantastic um, thing that you've just done there. What was that, an impression? I think so. That's I don't brilliant. know of whom. I don't know exactly, but, but I, get, it's a I, get that, I get that person completely. But and they, and they, they, they jam it down your throat. Yeah. Oh, and they're they, sometimes on desert, desert Island Discs, aren't they? And they're I just boasting never, about their... They're, they're, they're not always Scottish, remember? I, not, but, but usually, you know. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I've got one eye on you, Ian Rankin. Um, <laughs> we love Ian. He took me... I, I owe Ian Rankin a pint, actually. Uh, and he knows that. But then there's the... Flip that completely, and it's the more chaotic version, which is... And then and again, I always bring this up, because this is all part of this podcast, the muse, and the visitation of the muse, it, and, and how elusive it is. If you're trying... Sometimes if you're trying to write, it just won't come. And so, that, you know, there are... The, but there are those stories like, you know, like Andrew Lou Goldham locking Jagger and Richards into a kitchen in northwest London until they wrote the first songs. Wow. And it, you know, it's funny how it can motivate you quite strongly if you can't get out of a fucking kitchen in northwest London. Yeah. Because Andrew Lou Goldham's locked you in. Yeah. Unless you write a song. Yeah. It's sort of, but on the on the flip side of that, you know, somebody like Keith always says, you know, it's just like waiting for, you know, it's like uh, being hit by lightning. You know, you, when it happens, it happens. Well, yeah, my friend John Kearns, do you know him? Yeah. He's, he's a fantastic comedian and he talks about the genie visiting him. <laughs> The genie just sometimes perches on your shoulder. And when he's on your shoulder, you've got to write. Ooh, I don't want him. It depends when he perches on your shoulder as well. You could be. What could you be doing? Could be happening, well, you what, what sort of. Well, what it would just, be a worst case scenario. thinking, does it? I mean. Well, you you've could, obviously got something in mind. You could, be de- you could be curling one out, for instance. You know. And, well, there's uh, no harm in having a genie on your shoulder while you're doing that. As long as you can You're not curling it. one out with your hands, are you? <laughs> you're pushing it out, you're not pulling it out. I mean, most people have got their phones on the toilet these days, so they can pop it in notes. Well, it's nice. I, I, I was going through my notes today for you. Well, let's That's horrific. I mean, this is like, they, they weren't unfinished ideas. They're just stuff where I'm like, what the hell is that? Come on, then. Well, but, they're not, but that's not part let's of... Let's start with iPhone notes, because okay. we don't always do that. And I think that that's... I did, I did write it down, I looked for my name in the Olivier. You know when, the, when awards are like, <laughs> when awards are announced? The nominations. And you sort of, I don't know what was going on. I was sort of looking for my name there, but I wasn't in a play. I don't know what's, what's going on. I got, I'm, such, I'm such an optimist. Do you think maybe a Lifetime Achievement Award or something like that? I don't know. <laughs> 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 
that is that's a sign of fucking madness right there, isn't it? That's like yeah. me checking to see if I'm in the BAFTAs list. I know, I know. I always check the BAFTAs. It's me. You're about to hear an advert. Now, if you want to listen to the podcast ad-free and my Friday radio show, all you got to do is sign up to the Patreon if you fancy, not if you don't. Uh, but if you do, the link is in the episode notes. Carry- Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, I mean, this is not a substantial idea. Keith Kevin? I mean, that's not an idea, is it? Like... You know, like John Paul. <laughs> Are you thinking that Keith Kevin? At that I just moment, think he might be in a poem of, of something. Yeah. Or something. Keith Kevin is a nice name. Yeah. Keith Kevin. <laughs> but that. but it's not gonna. It's you can't go to a commissioner with it. Well, you could take it to Netflix, couldn't you? But you'd have to do a really good meeting, I think. I think this one must be a short. This one must be a children's story. This is from about 2016. I found this. It's about a boy with nail scissors. And what's he, what he gets up to with his nail scissors? So he's snipping people's laces, and he's like a mischievous boy, oh. snipping plaits off, snipping rose heads off, arteries. Arteries. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so he just, just walks past them when he snips yeah. the artery, and it's just like squirting yeah. against the wall, and he collapses. Well, it says a book for thirty-eight to forty-year-olds. I mean, I don't, I don't. I never wrote it. It's a cul-de-sac, isn't it? This is why I'm on the show. What a demographic that is. I'm, I'm trying to hit that 38 to 40 demographic. But you know what? In all seriousness, to back up for a minute, that feels like a really good, like you say, like a Harold, like a silent movie piece. Mm. It's a bit like, um, it reminds me of those old, are they short films like The, the, the Boy with the Balloon or... The Man with the Million Dollar Note, or I know that Rowan's doing one at the minute, Rowan Atkinson, isn't he, I think, it's right. in production where it's just, and it, it, I just think, I'm very excited about it, it's just him house-sitting for somebody. Oh yeah, well, you know he's With involved, hilarious consequences. You know he's involved in that. Who? The Completer. Gervais? Basden. Basden's involved in that? Basden's in the Fuck house. Fuck's sake, we can't. He's the, he's the Completer, he completes things. We need, we need to get Basden on. 
Pardon me? There's no point getting Bastin on because, as we, as we said off, off mic, he's got no notes. It's all been created. There's no fun there. Okay, look, let me let me get Bastin into this situation. Hmm. Um, I, I, I found this note, which is a feature film, me and Bastin, which is which we haven't written, which is um, I remember reading an, an article about I think it's in Mexico. Someone had dumped a fridge, so they'd by the side of the road they'd dump the fridge down the uh, down the hill yeah into this um, quarry yeah and then um, the the punishment served up by the judge in the court was to retrieve the fridge oh that's really that is good so it, it's a film it would be a film which is kind of a do you know Sisyphus the the chap who <laughs> <laughs> the myth of Sisyphus, yeah. Who was it who wrote that? I've not finished it yet, funnily enough. He's the he's the rock, he's the boulder guy. That's he's the boulder guy, yeah. Yeah, the boulder boy. So which is maybe gonna be the title. So Was uh, it whoever it was, Camu or whoever it was who fucking wrote that. I yeah. love the idea that he's wrote that in his notebook. Boulder boy. Boulder boy. Yeah. Well, I think that then we talked about I think we were on holiday at the time, so we talked about I think he gets his cousin he gets his cousin or maybe his brother in law because he can't do it on his own. And they're just down there with this with this fridge and it's like a a real moody old piece and obviously there's bits where it gets two thirds of the way up and it just goes <laughs> and stuff like that, you know. Is there a so there's a is there a bit of lot a bit of Laurel and Hardy in there, like when they're moving the piano or something? That yeah. there's a bit of physical comedy. I think there's probably a third guy who comes in who's like, you know, your rope guy. Ropey boy. <laughs> Who's, who's like a wolfman type figure from Pulp Fiction who tries to, you know, sort stuff out. It's a sort of, is there a bit of waiting for Godot in there? Or I mean, it's a pretty, you know, it, it is one of those, you know, when you read those stories, I think I should, what, having looked at my notes, what would be more constructive is, you know those bits where it goes in brief and it's a tiny bit that's, you know, happened in Colombia or Riga yeah. or something. And you should just, I mean, it's just, it's a no-brainer. You should yeah. just be cutting them out all the time. Yeah. You should have a shoebox full God, of them right. because you have amazing stories where once uh, three days goes by, no one remembers, no one's heard of it yeah. anymore. And so once three years have gone by, you just, you know, pass it off as your own bish bash bosh. I mean, to be fair, Fridge Guy isn't going to like sue if he suddenly watches this kind of indie movie that's made on no budget. Especially if he's fly tipping in Mexico. I mean, he's not He's not going to be oh, yeah, exactly. watching the BAFTAs. He's not to be trusted, that chap. He's not going to be putting his name and BAFTA nominations into fucking Google, is he, he that guy? He must be checking the Olivier's, though. If anyone in their right mind checks whether they've won an Olivier. <laughs> I love You've come up with two really good... I mean, that, I, going back to um, uh, Scissors Boy, the idea that, that a lovely silent movie... And this this young he maybe isn't even intentionally mischievous, but he's just playing with these scissors, and it's like it's like the butterfly effect. Mm. He snips something; it looks innocuous, but it's attached to something that's attached to something that causes an absolute cataclysm or a, you know a train derailment. Actually, I'm making it sound sadder than it probably should be. No, it can be as sad or as happy as we like. Now you're on board. You have you have every right to change it. It's a yes from me, but I'm gonna need I'm gonna need to, some script editing facility. Well, what grade did you get at theatre studies A level? Got an A. I scored an A at theatre studies A level. Of course you did. Yeah, for my troubles, Bloody for my hell. sins. Uh, to, to go along with my A, a in history as well, actually, while you're down there. 
just going to write that down as well. What have you written? <laughs> you hey, you've, written, you've literally down. written A. <laughs> I'm writing that down. I'm just updating. I've told him, but I'm going to update his CV for him. Okay, that, sure. what, that's how we pay. We haven't got any money, but I, I spend a couple of hours updating the CV. I, this is this is purely for profile. Mm. So while we're talking about film ideas, mm. here's one for you, which I, which I found. I found this one actually by last night I did a gig and someone came to the gig and the last time I saw her was at a read-through for a feature film starring your friend of mine, Gemma Arterton. Oh, really? No, I've no idea whether she is a completer or a, a cul-de-sac. I'm not sure. But... She seems she, like a completer to me. She's a completer. I mean, she's certainly um, intimidatingly beautiful. Yeah. And so I sat there and read, you know, in this film... And then the next day, this was about 2016, the next day I was walking to uh, a theatre to do my first day of rehearsals for uh, a play called Art. Which we saw. <clears throat> Rightly or wrongly. It was amazing. Thank you. And, and anyway, I'm just walking across the bridge. I think realistically I'm probably daydreaming about Gemma Arterton. But the point being, um, Gemma Arterton's coming the other way. Along the, on, on Waterloo Bridge, like you summoned her. I know, and then so we have a uh, you know a quick stop and chat, and off we go. And then she's going to do her play in the Donmar Warehouse, and I'm doing my play in Waterloo. And um, so then I I write like a short film, <laughs> and the short film is that that's the starting point, but um, it's a guy, yeah. an actor down there at the Old Vic. And a girl, an actress in... Um, I'm taking me and Gemma Arson out of the equation now. <laughs> so he's at the Old Vic. She's at the Donmar. And um, he really likes her. And she, he thinks the only way that they could be together is th- that she would ever notice him is if she saw him perform in this thing. They, they sometimes bump into each other on the bridge in the day. And he says, I'd love you to come and watch. And she says, I can't. Really, because I've got, I'm on at the same time. And then he says, are you, you, have you not got an understudy? And she's like, what are you talking about? You don't get an understudy to go and watch someone else. And he goes, oh, of course you don't. I know, of course you don't. Anyway, it, it ends with him going to his play and he wants to watch her. And it's her last night and he thinks this is the only way he'll get to see her. So he employs his understudy, gets his understudy out of the pub and runs across Waterloo Bridge and then gets into the theatre, takes his seat and there's a producer on stage who announces that uh, Gemma Arterton won't be performing this evening because she's gone to watch him on his last night but she won't see him, she'll see the understudy. It's a bit like a, tw- it's a, bit like a twilight zone almost that, you know that sort of get what you wish for and then something terrible happens. It reminds me, there was a great episode of The Twilight Zone when it was a, about this, this guy who hated other people. We can all empathise with that. Yeah. And yeah. Um, he was a voracious reader and he just wanted to sit at home and read. And his greatest um, wish, <laughs> and he kept wishing for it every night, was that everybody would just disappear and leave him in, a, in, a, in like the British Library yeah. to read the works of the world and then he wakes up into this reality what is this in? this is a twilight oh is zone. it really? oh my and god and he wakes up into this, this reality the world is essentially 
empty. Some, yeah. There's been some uh, terrible nuclear fallout or something. But he's in this colossal library, and he he's, he can't disguise his happiness. He's so excited. Oh, he and likes it. He loves it. And he, he's, he, he looks around at all these books, and he's, he, he thinks, where should I begin? He picks off, you know, the myth of Sisyphus, I think it is. And 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 this is the Boulder Boy. <laughs> Boulder Boy. <laughs> Boulder Boy. I'll give that a go first. And then this is the end of the this is the end of the, 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 the film or the story. You hear a crack and you look down and he stood on his reading glasses. <sighs> what a story. Fast so, he's, so he's fucked and he hasn't got any spares because he's not been to Specsavers. That is beautiful. Isn't it? That's it reminds fantastic. me a bit of your story. Last night, uh, I couldn't read my poem because the writing was too small, and I asked if anyone had any glasses, and someone threw some down onto the stage, and they smashed. <laughs> you, you must do live comedy. It's fantastic fun. <laughs> I'm never going back to it. Um, when was the first time in your life that somebody made the Alan, is your brother called Alan joke, do you think? Um, yep, sometimes people have done that. I don't know when the first was. Okay. Uh, my my great-aunt... She used to get. She used to have a crank caller who kept on asking for Don. Oh my God! Yeah, he did it a lot. <laughs> ben, is he Ben? Went well, it's, it's Ben's sense of humour, isn't it? You know, he's, a, yeah, he's a young guy. <laughs> <laughs> We've been sitting here half an hour. We finally hit pay dirt. Oh God! That's okay. a classic. Come on, give, give us another one. Of so your these ideas. are. Um, there's one called Zookeeper Peter. That was a. Um, like a sort of postman pat thing with the same kind of cute animation, but yeah. like a, about a kind of. Um, you know, forlorn sort of um, uh, zookeeper who feels trapped slightly. He Aged. doesn't get mauled, does he? No, he doesn't point? get mauled, no, but he's, you know, classic stuff. He's, he's you know, in, in love with one of the other zookeepers, and um, I think the animals talk to him or something. And yeah, yeah. Um, I think probably we spent about maybe about two years trying to write that, but that's that's gone. <laughs> uh, so, did you actually try and flesh that out and create? That was fleshed from an idea into a script into. Another script, redrafting, and then dead. Zookeeper Pete. Zookeeper Peter. Peter. And then there's another one that I wrote with Mark Watson called Mooples, and that's like um, the Tweenies, you know? The, the, yeah, the Tweenies. the Tweenies. So it's like a sitcom, you know, that starts with, you know, the end of, you know, and cut, and they take their heads off, and so they're sort of kind of, it's those guys just sort of kicking about. Yes. Yeah. So, hang on. So, this is more of an adult theme. Yeah. This is what happens to the children's entertainer, the, you know, like the Teletubbies, when they take the... Yeah. That's interesting because... It's interesting. It didn't get anywhere. Oh, it didn't get anywhere. And probably was like, again, maybe about 18 months of, of working on it, I reckon. It's such a shame because I think there's so much mileage in that. Oh, I, I think it's a good idea. I mean, I think those things are quite fascinating. <laughs> Have you seen the... Um, there's a Twitter account called um, Mascots. <laughs> what? Do, have you seen that? It's um, it's football mascots oh, doing fuck. one minute silences, and so there's just all these all these photos of just twenty two men, and then on the end like a, a like a dinosaur. There was one the other day for Remembrance Day where it's, he's a he's a he's a poppy. <laughs> he's got his hands behind his back, and then I think. And when they say, okay, they, stop, they blow the whistle for the minute silence, I think he sort of leans forward. <laughs> what, the, the, this sort of form, respectfully. form poppy yeah. trying to yeah. look respectful. He'll get, his, he'll, get, he'll get his body language respectful as he can, but in other news, he is dressed as a poppy. 
And the nine foot hot dog now will also be observing the two minute silence. It's now, fucking genius, that. Now, my question is, whilst you're sort of going through your questions. Yeah. I mean, I did like, I did, I did like bring other stuff. Bags coming out. I mean, you know, it, I don't care. Look at this. I mean, this is like, this is just like, you know, a load of old crap. Like, that's <laughs> like, that. That is what is that? Oh, that's writing from before two thousand and two. What? That's that's a radio show that that didn't happen. That's a show about a book about India, and that one is things with Alex. This Hall. is such a rich theme. I, I do always say this to people. We we don't have to get it all in today either no, because no. we can always do parts two and three with somebody. So what was the radio? What was the book about India going to be? The book about India is I, I went to India with. A friend of mine, Johnny Sweet, uh, mm. who's a oh, brilliant completer, he, he gets stuff done, and we um, we just travelled around India for a month. And um, while we were there, it was it wasn't like a working thing. We were just like mm. you know, on holiday basically. But I, I do really enjoy writing poems. It's like a really fun way to relax. So you know, we'd have a few sundowners and stuff. And when he was reading his book, I'd write some poems. And by the end of it, I had quite a lot of poems about India. And uh, so when I got back, I did a show in um, in Camden about India. I did called in Indian Summer and did maybe about five of these shows. And I think I don't think it was in the forefront of my mind, but it does sort of mean you can write off your um, flights to tax. <laughs> can you give us a bit? I mean, I don't know. Like, it's all pretty sort of does take me back a bit. An Indian fisherman caught 90 fish on one of his rowing trips. He hauled his schooner onto the beach and started strangling them to death. Restaurateurs came down and bought the corpses. Those who couldn't sell, he kissed. Those who couldn't sell, he kissed and returned to the ocean. The moon's twinkle bounced off the waves and illuminated his wellies and his turban. Dunno, really. Isn't it gorgeous, though? Because that's like, in the absence of me being able to go to India, that's a pretty visceral picture you're painting there. I love the strangling of the corpses. I think that's st- always stuck with me. That when I was, I, I don't think that's my. I don't think that's well. It is sort of my words, I suppose. But there's something that stuck with me once, where when I was studying Russian, we were reading something by Gogol, I think. And there's a bit where I remember my professor like pointing to the words in Russian and saying how the the the, the nuances between these words. I think. It's like his his father is dead, and he, they he talks about the body, but then he talks about the corpse, and then he talks about like that each time he refers to it, it's, oh. with, it's less and less <laughs> respectful yeah. and fine, and you don't really hear people talk about a fish's no. corpse. <laughs> I don't know. Um, okay, I'll re- I'll find one more. You're still killing something. I know. I keep, every three months, I think I'm going to be a vegan. Oh, yeah. I'll do that. If you do it, I'll do it. All right. Veganuary. Um, Gandhi spilt some pineapple juice down his sari at one of his protest marches. It was fresh on and he blurted the words, Mind where you're going, you clumsy cunt. <laughs> some of his apostles turned to him, surprised that he'd lost it. He tried to keep it together. Cunt needs to watch where he's going. He reiterated. And then he put his peaceful face back on. Clambered back onto his camel and rode serenely to the bit where the speeches were going to be. Glanced at his cue cards from time to time as he rode. Don't know. It, it, it's, 
I, I mean, I got it out of my system. I, it's sort of a cul-de-sac in a way, but like I was really, yeah. it was like a sort of, I don't know, There was. it was never, I don't think it was ever going to be like an Edinburgh show or a show that had any um, huge amount of uh, future, but it was just like a fun thing where when we came back, you could just, it's like a show and tell. Yeah. But that, the, the Gandhi thing is, we we are, we, we're running on the same tracks a lot of the time because I always find, I, I've got a similar sort of thought process, which is like one of my sort of recurring jokes, stroke motifs is, you know, as my gran always used to say, dot, dot, dot. You know what I mean? Right, so you right. might say, you know, as my gran always used to say, what a bunch of cunts. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's that same sort of idea, isn't it? Yeah. Somebody serene and uh, and who you don't expect that of. It's saying, really mad when you, use that, when, you, when you put those words into the, you know, revered people's yeah. mouths. That cunt I'd, needs to watch where he's going. <laughs> I'm, not, I've got, I'm doing a poem at the moment where, I'm, where the queen is really, you know, pretty colourful language. <laughs> And I would, I'd, it's almost like cheating because, yeah. like, the audience really enjoy it because yeah, yeah. it's like this is she would never say that. <laughs> Gandhi would never say it. It's like you, you've reminded me of this is this is the, one of the last things I put in my notes, which is like if if I was ever doing a visual sketch program, yeah, has anybody done a sketch where it's the Elizabethan times, say, yeah, and there is an eminent. Portrait, portraitist. Oh yeah. Say Very it's good. Elizabeth the first, and the guy keeps, you know, keeps coming to the palace to do a painting of Elizabeth the first, and he, over the course of a few weeks, she sits for him, and then at the end, there's this big reveal, and it's just a big spurty cock. Oh yeah. Good. Surely somebody's done that, you know. Well, I was in a sketch show called Cowards, hmm. and um, we did one a little bit like that, where it's like a life drawing class. <laughs> And Barristan, I mean, the completer, he stood there naked and uh, the three of us are, are painting. And um, then I think we leave because it's like we're, that we're having a, a, a pause and Barristan just is, is stood there and he comes around and has a look at them. And I think I've drawn a vase, <laughs> Stefan's drawn a ship <laughs> and Lloyd's drawn like a cat running after a mouse. <laughs> so it's almost like we just we just like a naked man standing up though yeah, while we're no doing something else. Yeah, I know. That's so beautiful. Again, great minds. What um, he's got his iPad. Now. I've got my iPad out because you, you have to remember when you spend like an afternoon, you're saving things as a PDF, and then <laughs> but then and then emailing yourself. It's a pretty bleak thing to be walking away from the podcast without having opened it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Didn't even fucking use that. I, I know, and I, and I don't really want to bring it out because conversation's flowing, isn't it? But <laughs> no, but I want to see. I, it is time for another idea. Yeah, in okay. the PDF, please. Okay, so children's songs. So um, me and Alex Horn started writing children's songs to then send to the horn section for the horn section to turn them into. Children's songs. So this is this is Ben Reynolds from the Horn Section, and this is this is a song where I wrote the lyrics, and then he turned it into this. Jones, 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 Jones is coming round to play with me. Jones coming round to play. Jones is amazing. He wears dangleries. Jones is free like me. Yeah. 
creative musical piece that I know so this is another one which I haven't sent to him called Naughty I said a naughty word and so I had to go to bed I said a naughty word and so I had to go to bed I said a naughty word and so I had to go to bed my name's Fred plums bums crumbs thumbs I shouted out a naughty and they sent me to my room blah 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 I shouted shouted out a naughty naughty and they they sent me to my room room. I shouted out a naughty and they sent me to my room my my name is Fred McComb plums bums crumbs thumbs (laughs) I said a naughty word, they made me wash my mouth out with soap and water. I don't know how he's going to make that sort of yeah, scam, yeah. but you know, that's, <laughs> he can do that from his side. I said a naughty word, they made me wash my mouth out with soap and water. I said a naughty word, they made me wash my mouth out with soap and water because I said it to my daughter. Plums, bums, crumbs, thumbs. Please don't be naughty if you're little. Please don't be naughty at all. Just stick to saying lovely words like fairy tale and ladybirds and you'll grow up nice and tall. Is it? Well, the, the, well I think, that it, uh, unless I've misunderstood it, there's quite a dark twist in there when he says, uh, because I said it to my daughter. So all the way through, I'm thinking, this is a three-year-old. Yeah, and I then, think that's really cheap stuff, isn't that? That's bad writing, I reckon. I disagree. That, that, that rug pull. That, I, I don't, I'm, not, I, I'm not proud of that. I didn't see that coming. I didn't no, see but that I like coming. The stuff, I like the stuff before, and then when it says I said it to my daughter, you're like, oh, right, okay, I got the idea. This guy's, this guy's you, old. To the best of my knowledge, you... you You've have you you've not written a novel or a sitcom yet, have you? Uh, well, I would say I, mean, I would say like I've written a I've written a the my, my most recent books are I don't imagine I'm going to get much closer to to writing a novel than that. There's loads, there's tons of words in there, and they're all sort of you know there's a story and it's sort of it, I, I'm kind of I look at that and think what we were talking about earlier with the kind of fragmented yeah of a project I kind of feel like that is about as close as I'd get and I also feel like that'll be probably if I write another book that'll be the way that I'll write it I think it's like a mixture of poems and dialogues yeah. that's, that's what these that's what these books are but the, do you, uh, the mix- actual novel I mean I could, have you written one? No, fucking hell I mean I can get to the end of an email I mean, but then I was just going to question my own question because it, in this realm in which we all sort of Exist, you know the create the creative milieus. It's always that, isn't it? Film. If you're if you're in the if you're into comedy, sitcom, novel. It seems like those are the go-to uh, sort of creative yes, outlets. Yes, the and kind it, of substantial even, piece of work. Yeah, but I don't really. I've I've sort of had to teach myself that over the years. In fact, just to quickly make this about myself, when when my radio show ended, it was only in the last couple of weeks before it actually ended that it finally, 
it finally clicked in my mind because for all those years I've been getting extraordinarily talented people such as yourself onto the show and interviewing them and I'd be, I'd be kicking myself why haven't I written an album or a, a novel oh, that or must a be film. The, that must be the worst part of your job because you I never thought of it that way. There's this, yeah. reti- this rolling oh, retinue of extraordinarily talented people. Yeah, where you suddenly just sort of sat there opposite Richard Iowadi. Yeah. Well, what could be worse? Yeah, you know, nothing. As far as high achieving completers are concerned, he's in the top of the, the, oh, top of the pantheon, gross. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's gross. It, it really is. He, he's, he's, bloody who, he's another sort of Stefan Golijewski where he's just sort of, he just gets on with it and make something he'll go quiet for a little bit and then suddenly there'll be a film and you're like oh, yeah you're you're doing it sort of slightly better than I'm doing it um, well to, I suppose you should bring it to a, a, a slow close because I don't want this to become a hostage situation as I always say but could you reach into your um, reservoir of unresolved ideas for just another it's a twinkling nugget. Oh, right, yeah. Well, let me just have a look here. Um, I think this is a book that I don't even... I mean, this I literally... This is a book, uh, but I don't, I don't... I mean, it's not finished. Uh, I haven't read this for, since I wrote it. But this is a poem, and then underneath there's a footnote. Amal wrote a letter to his sweetheart on a seed. He injected the seed into an apple. He gave her the apple. He gave her the apple and went to war. A tree grew, and on each leaf there appeared a word from his letter. One day, Grace stood at the right angle, and the words formed into the letter again. She lowered her shades and read Amal's letter through tears. She penned a reply on a plumstone and buried it in a watermelon. Give this fruit to Amal, she said to Sydney. He placed it in his parachute bag, and he solemnly boarded his flight to the Sudan. Well, I don't know. And then the, the, uh, the footnote is, I wrote a letter to a girl once. She stole my heart. And cavernous and plastered on sherry, I retreated to my balcony with my pen and a family packet of jumbo cashews. I can't remember exactly what I wrote in the letter, and I never gave it to Chapman, because I think the whole premise of it began to make less sense, and the more I found out about how close she was to Keith. But I continued to carry the envelope with me for months, and if I ever bumped into her, I would reach into my top pocket and draw it out enough that she could just just about see her name and the sinful smudges of sherry and tears that besmirched the seal. At these moments, she would always fix me one of her stares and say, if you're not going to give me the letter, I really can't think why you've bothered to sit down and write it. I'd always walk away from these meetings, shaking my head and smiling and thinking, yeah, Chapman's wise beyond her years, I'll give her that. Once I stopped in my tracks and considered going back, bursting back into the theatre bar and slapping the envelope against her chest. But of course, I didn't have the guts for that type of move. Instead, I'd always wipe my eyes with my sleeve, click my heels together and hasten away from the physical incarnation of Chapman. I don't know. (laughs) I, I literally the, haven't read that since I wrote it, and I don't know what, what I don't quite know what it fits into. But it was in a file in my computer called Love, so you, probably a book about love. There's so much. There's so much unrequited. There's so much. Um, I love. I l- love little things about these poems, like the reference to the jumbo bag of cashews for some reason stands out, mm. and the fact that you refer to your romantic quarry as Chapman as well. Yeah, I, I like that, that. When, when when a name came up. Like that. I honestly think, I honestly think Chapman, thinking about it, was me and Alex Horn once did a pilot for a TV show. It doesn't even sound right. Somewhere in Wapping. This would have been 10 years ago. And it was shot in the same play. I think the the TV channel, you might, you might know this channel that it was called, it just was a number like 481 or something. And I think it was like quite a kind of like, 
maybe sort of loaded generation yeah. thing because I think they set us up with I think we had like a butler who was a girl who was like you know some kind of you like know, a sort of a, a glamour model yeah like eye woman. candy and I think she was called Chapman I think God. I th- or, or maybe Alex started calling her Chapman because he you <laughs> <laughs> <Pure> embarrassment <laughs> That's oh, absolutely. I don't know. Um, we've all got dark chapters. We've all got dark chapters. Um, and then that's, um, yeah, this, this, I mean, this is an, a diary when I was writing art. And it says November the 7th. I, I left for work early this morning. I've made the decision to walk to, wa- to walk to work every day in order to obliterate some weight from my flanks and make my face more gaunt and expressive by the time of curtain up. And this is, uh, that's a page of it. Then the next page is um, the dates, but with no entry. And it's just the people who've come and watched the show. <laughs> Cold as that. It's, it's incredible, isn't it? I, I often think with somebody like you, especially, not Basden, there's nothing left. When, when, you know, when he eventually passes in 50 or 60 years' time, there'll be nothing of interest. It's already been published or made. But with somebody like you, It'd be very interesting. It's like Samuel Pepys' diaries or something. Yeah. Imagine the wealth of stuff that there is there. The yeah. non sequiturs, bizarreness. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, like these are my books, and they're kind of they're a mixture of poems and stuff like that. Because in my in when I was going through my you know old files in my Word documents and all of that, I found one called Wrong Howard, <laughs> the Wrong Howard, and then I uh, so I opened the file. And it just said notebook 64. So I must have made a note to, I couldn't be bothered to like write it all up because no, this isn't happening. I'm not going to write it. But I thought maybe at some point, maybe I must have thought I'd go on a podcast at some point where I need to know what the wrong Howard is. Anyway, <clears throat> the wrong Howard is, um, I guess this would be a feature film. This is, I organized my brother's stag weekend um, about 20 years ago. And um, he just sent me all of the the emails, and he said, "If you want any help, then uh, ask you know one of my pals to be your wingman." So I asked Rich, uh, Richie Holden, to do it, and then we we sent out all the emails and stuff like that, and we went to the Lake District, and we met in Victoria near where my brother worked, and I bought him a little uh, uh, pink chair with like a heart shaped uh, seat on it. What they'd they carry around the mountains and sit down on in pubs and things. And uh, we're all in there, and it's very convivial, about 16 of us. And then my brother comes up to me and just takes me to one side at the bar and just says, it's the wrong Howard. And he's um, he sent me an email. <laughs> so the guy who you'd chosen as, as your wingman? No, what, no. Oh. The, he, he hadn't made... Actually, he, he's not in, important in the story at all. No, this is just that I'd got the... my bro, got the wrong My brother Howard. had sent one, one email was the wrong email. And the Howard that he wanted was never contacted about the stag. And there's a guy who... And I remembered... When he, when he told me this, I thought, that's quite funny because, like, this Howard... He was the first to reply to almost every email. So he must have thought, I'm he, on the periphery of this cl- friendship group. He was group. close enough, you know? The He's wrong Howard. If I invite the wrong Sean, like if, I, if I'm inviting the wrong Sean, oh, it, it legitimately could look at the email and go, 
Well, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm in. <laughs> Don't get out much. I got, I got the opening of an envelope. The Ron, because for, for a while there, I was thinking that you were saying the Ron Howard, and I was expecting your that part of the story to be your brother taking you to one side in this late pub and saying Ron Howard's over there, the guy from Happy Days. No. But the Ron Howard is an event. So are you thinking that? There's a film idea here. Well, I, I, I just don't know, because it said, go go and have a look at this one, at, at, you know, page 64. But, like, you know, I, d- I don't know, I don't know quite how it... I mean, there's not, there's not much, like, there's not much stuff in here that sort of adds anything to that. I, I mean, I guess it's just, um, I guess it needs, <laughs> it needs it fleshing out. I think it hit a cul-de-sac. Just to bring it round yeah. at the end to the, the, the you know the perfect uh, denouement. You're right though. I mean, it's at least a short film, isn't it? it feels like it, or maybe that, it's just an anecdote for podcasts. It's the wrong Howard. I could maybe do it on other podcasts. I think you should start touting this one about. <laughs> that you, this does a lot of heavy lifting for you. The wrong Howard story. It really does. But I can see. I, I'm trying to. I'm trying to work with this idea that maybe all the way through this short film. This Howard guy seems like the life and soul of the party, yeah. and the one who all the um, the attention centered around, as though he's like one of the major guys in your brother's life, and, and yeah. that's the the end of the, the short film is him taking you to one side and going, "It's the wrong fucking Howard. I yeah. barely know the fucker." Yeah, I, he was I very like nice, him. by the way. Was it? Yeah, Howard. Did that, did that were... cement their relationship a little bit more? You know. Well, I mean, obviously, the elephant in the room was that he was the only person there who wasn't invited to the wedding. Fuck. I think in the film, I've got a page here in my notes where I think the, the right Howard arrives because, okay. so that's a bit more, that ramps yeah. it up, doesn't it? Because if my brother is saying, well, you need to get the right Howard here, yeah. and if on the second night the right Howard arrives, then the wrong Howard starts to think, why is this second Howard come? Was I meant to be here? Yeah. Well, the, I mean, the problem is that the I, this is becoming a trope on this podcast, but there's so much to go at. I mean, sometimes people, maybe they don't have that much uh, of a sort of back catalogue of, of unformed ideas. Basden, for instance. But you, this is obviously just a snapshot, what you've brought in this bag. So mm. that, uh, there probably are going to have to be multi-parts to this. This yeah. can only be part one. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, we could do, we could do um, you know... The, the, what's it called? The co- co- comedy Col- cul-de-sac. It's Sean Keeney's creative, creative cul-de-sac. cul-de-sac. Yeah. The creative, su- creative cul-de-sac um, notebook session. Yeah. Because I've I've got all these notebooks. This was the first one. It was bought for me by um, Victoria Lloyd, who produced Cowards on the radio. And it's beautiful. It's a, it's such a nice book, and I sort of filled it up, and then kind of sort of took it from there bought bought the next one and I've now got like I think I've got about 80 of these Jesus that I know. puts me to shame so we do don't we, we we're going to have to put another date in the diary I, I get the feeling that Tim needs this catharsis as much as we do no not quite as much as you do <laughs> with Tim Key about creativity I remember doing it but such is my condition memory mild to moderate ADD I can't really remember the content but I just remember it being very funny um, it will probably sound weird you hearing me say this because you'll be like literally it's just been on um, but thank you so much to Tim 
for doing that for us. It was really a great pleasure and a privilege. Um, but we, we left quite a lot in because there was a lot of good stuff. So this week alone, we're not going to do um, your ideas for the cul-de-sac. We'll be back to that next week. If you've got any, please send them in. Sean's creative cul-de-sac at gmail.com. And uh, we'll put them in next week's program of events. Um, but you've got to go and see Tim Key live if you've got the chance. He's so good live. If you've never done it, you've got to do it. You put it on your bucket list. Okay. And he's doing his show Mulberry at the Soho Theatre London. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. London until the 2nd of April. It's all a bit London-centric, I've got to say. And then he's doing it at the Pleasance in London, 11th of April to the 22nd of April. I'm sure he'll be going around the country soon. Uh, copies of his book, Here We Go Around the Mulberry Bush, are available. And he's also in Witchfinder, which, if you haven't watched, is fucking brilliant as well. Thank you, Tim Key. Thank you, you. See you next week.